Hi everyone, welcome to the Tri-Watches podcast. My name is David. I'm Tom. And we don't have Cam, but we do have uh, a good friend of mine from Red Bar London, who everyone knows probably on Instagram better as AZ Time. Hello everybody. How are you doing? Is it AZ or AZ? <laughs> it's uh, whatever. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Cam's been roped into doing airport runs and things like that, and we had planned to get um, as I don't anyway, but now Cam has to miss out, so that's unfortunate for him. But how are you guys doing? Everyone good? Yeah, yeah. Pretty good, yeah, thank you. And good weekends all around? For everyone? Uh yeah. Uh had a I mean was was it last uh, last week? I can't remember if it was last last week or happened since that I had a motorcycle accident. Was it? Okay, I have not heard about this. Okay. So a little How hard did you bang your head in this accident to not know when it happened? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well apparently my brain is in my uh, left foot, so <laughs> no I you're okay though yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we how can I say that I decided to uh, hug um, uh, a motorcycle a motorcyclist coming the other way so Ooh. basically that way so you you were jousting on the streets of Paris is that what it was sorry <laughs> you were jousting yeah exactly <laughs> French mother <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it would have been, it could have been worse, but basically I, uh, I passed uh, a car and the guy did uh, the same. Um, Jordan was, uh, sitting behind me and his foot oh. basically, um, um, uh, shoot into my, uh, shifter, uh, foot peg, my foot and Jordan's foot. And, oh. uh, yeah. So everyone, the three of us have been like, sort of like walking a bit strange for the past day. Eight days God. in perfect rhythm, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it could have been worse. Everything's fine. A little bit of a, a, a break on the on the motorcycle and uh, uh, bruises and a bit of worries for both of us, especially for Jordan. But um, yeah, all good. Okay, good. As a joy in one piece, I trust. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I, my weekend was much more boring than that. Uh, <laughs> spent, <laughs> Spent a fair I'm bit jealous. Of it, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, ha- I had to sit through a uh, a uh, sort of children's production of the Jungle Book, uh, oh. which it's 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 done by the same people that do sort of panto over Christmas, and the pantos are usually okay. So we thought we'd try it out with the kids uh, this week because it's half term, um, and it was horrific. It's just like <laughs> like the worst jokes you could think of. Plus, without the original sort of Disney soundtrack of the Jungle Book, so it had its own horrible music. Uh, kids enjoyed it. I, I can stand it. So um, and you can't even drink to get through it because you've got to like be a responsible parent while you're there. Uh, yes, uh, although at the uh, at the interval, I, I did head over to the bar as quickly as I could. <laughs> <laughs> the queue was ridiculous, shall we say? <laughs> Everyone in the same boat as you, just trying to get as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, a, uh, do you want to do a wrist check? Uh, yeah. Go on, Thomas. You go first. Uh, so I'm still wearing the same thing than last uh, uh, last week. So the uh, G-Shock uh, the five six hundred, which okay. I it's it's weird to uh, to wear a digital digital watch um, 
it's my first digital watch ever um and uh yeah i yeah just uh confused like i i mean the the reading time being different obviously uh the, the sorry the 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 time reading experience being different um mm. not as legitly um, readable sorry losing my english tonight as uh as a mechanical watch i would say um but uh, yeah i just love it i'm gonna stop by some g-shock uh some um, yeah g-shock store and try to have the uh the steel bracelet just to uh, to make it a little bit more bulk mm. um but other than that i yeah love it i well awesome. i this is the the first and definitely the the only digital watch that will be in the collection. Um, See, I can't believe you've never had an F ninety one W. Like everyone's had one of those at some point in their life. Yeah, but I'm French. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, no, I ne. I, yeah, true. I I never. Um, and um, so, sorry. So. Um, um, as that you know, you know, so something I said like few, few episodes ago, um, I I I was uh, telling the guys that uh, I'm definitely not a, a digital, digital guy, um, digital watch guy, and if there was any, that would be uh, that would be the one. Um, so I guess um, I, I take the box, and now it's like back to. Uh, regular program being a, a mechanical one he doesn't do digital watches but he does have velcro on his shoes <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid uh, choice though it's a solid choice for the first yeah time. it's a great one yeah, but yeah how about you Azad? what have you gone so i have got on let me see if i can show it to you on the screen i've got the grand seiko nice. sbgy 029 uh which is bit hard to show but um it's one of the um newer spring drive um ones with the, the very very slim um sort of dial and the uh, power reserve hidden on the back mm. so, okay yeah, uh, yeah for all those people that uh, hate the power reserve this is the sort of the manual wind spring drive that hides it away at the back so it looks like a a more kind of dressy um mm. watch from them um it normally comes on a brown uh calf strap uh, i was gonna say that bracelet can't be original but it looks really nice it is the original bracelet but they sold they said they've only released it on another watch um, which which came out recently um, but they're now uh, you can now order the bracelet separately which is which is what i've done mm. um, so it just arrived uh last week but funny enough when i when i went into the the boutique on bond street because this watch is to kind of commemorate the opening of this new boutique mm. they couldn't i went past that the other day yeah it's, it's, it's really, really nice. nice. It is nice because um, they've closed the Knightsbridge one down. Mm. Um, they so I went in. Uh, they tried to fit it on, and it wouldn't go on. The tolerances are so, so tight that they said they had to reshape the spring bars, and oh, they wow. had to send a watch and the bracelet off to their watchmaker. Don't know where he is, but somewhere in this country. Um, they fixed it and they sent it back to me like a couple of days later. So uh, it, that that's how. So That's so ridiculously slim. Japanese. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Dave? Uh, I am wearing my latest edition. I got the call for a Tudor Black Bay Pro. Mm. Um, yeah, so we talked a little while ago how I ended up going on the Rolex Explorer list and the Tudor Black Bay Pro list all in the same morning. Um, yep, I've been like... And then they called me up on... 
I didn't realize you huh? had so I, I didn't realize you had so many uh, uh, bonuses recently. <laughs> I don't. That's why when when you when you put your name on a Rolex list, you have to kind of do it preemptively, hoping you might have the money when you eventually get the call. <laughs> and, so, and that being said, you're also on the list for uh, um, for a Mad One. Yes, we're all on that at the moment. But but um, no, they they called you on Thursday. One after the other. <laughs> Again. That was kind of, if I get that, I get it. Not expecting to get called for this, like, before that came through. But, so the mad one's probably not going to happen now, but I'm not too sad about that. So, yeah, but on Thursday, they called me up and said, um, look, we don't have a brand new one, but we've just had a basically unworn, pre-owned come into the group stock. Um, if you want it, then we'll get it into the store for you. So it's Okay. <laughs> If, and I was like, you're, it's, it's box papers, all the links and everything. They're like, yep. And it's like, it's mint. And I was like, okay. So they, when I said, from what we can see in the photos, it's excellent. I was like, okay. So this, they, so I paid for it. And I was like, but if I don't want it, when I get there, if it's in bad condition or scratched up, I just won't take it. They're like, yeah, that's fine. I'll have a, give you a refund. So I went down there on Friday mm-hmm. and it was, it's incredibly mint condition. Like, I think there was one scratch on it on one of the lugs, not lugs, one of the links, sorry, on one of the links. And it was like the link right next to the clasp. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to scratch it there probably within a day anyway of wearing it, especially sitting at a desk. So I was just like, and I had to have, link, had to have three links taken out anyway. So I was just like, well, That's basically it's an absolutely mint condition watch and all the polished sides and stuff of which everyone calls this slab sided. So there's quite a large surface area of polish here. This is it's absolutely mint condition. So yeah, and honestly, I love it. I love this watch. I think it's fantastic. I, I had in my mind it would be like the perfect daily wearer, and I don't think I was wrong. I'm not disappointed in it at all. Mm. I just like the first night I got it, I slept in it, and I never sleep wearing a watch. <laughs> but I love it, and I, I think I said on on the podcast like quite a while ago now, um, when I first talked about wanting to get an Explorer too. I said the thing that would make the Explorer 2 perfect for me would be if it had 200 meters of water resistance rather than the 150 and mm. if it was uh, anti-magnetic because then it's like a true Explorer. It can go anywhere, do anything kind of thing. And then this is, it's 200 meters water resist compared to the 150 of the Explorer 2 and it's got the silicon balance to essentially makes the movement anti-magnetic. Mm. So yeah, kind of like falling on my feet here with this. I fucking love it. Excellent. Uh, Congratulations. Absolutely. Cheers. I'm, but, um, I'm a big fan of the uh, circular brush on the bezel. I think mm. it's just, uh, it catches the light so well. Yeah, it, honestly, it's so great. And I got it significantly under retail as well. Um, like it was cheap. They gave The price they gave me for this is cheaper than anything I could find on Chrono 24. So it's so it's like significantly under retail. Right. So it just made it a no brainer. So yeah, no, but I love it. But it's apart from a Brightling Super a Brightling Avenger Seawolf that I bought years ago and I took back in two weeks because I panicked about my tax bill. It's the only pre owned watch I've ever bought. And I know Thomas, you've obviously bought a lot pre owned and when I when I spoke to you about this the other day, as I said, you had some like some quite good points on buying pre-owned. So I thought this 
week we'd talk about our thoughts on that and you know when, when is it best to buy pre-owned over retail or is it always best to buy pre-owned or blah blah, blah. so yeah so let's start with azad because you had the great points what was your last pre-owned buy yeah, I think my last pre-owned buy was a um, H. Moser Pioneer. So this is a mm-hmm. rose gold um, blue dial, Fume blue dial, with a sort of a small second hand. And um, for me, it was a decision of either going for one of the newer models, which were not small seconds, they were large, mm-hmm. you know, um, normal second hand, running second hand, um, or saving about 40%. And going for a three-year-old model, which I actually preferred anyway. Mm, um, it's a huge to, amount as well, forty percent. Exactly. So um, the way I I sort of spotted it on Chrono Twenty Four initially, I um, found the dealer who happened to be in uh, London, um, got in touch with them, went along and I had a look at it. It looked absolutely mint for a watch of that age, especially as it's mm. rose, rose gold as well, which is obviously scratches. You just have to look at it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, thought about it for a little while and decided actually, yeah, no, this is the right way to go rather than trying to get hold of a, a newer one at a discount. Mm. Um, decided to go with, with that approach. Did, yeah. did he come I've with seen the, that watch. It's a beautiful watch. Did he come with the full sets or the fact that you bought it like secondhand, came, it came with the box and the warranty and the papers and everything? Yeah, uh, everything full set. Um, it had also been looked over by their watchmaker um, as well. Okay. So, I mean, it, it it could have been two weeks old, as far as you can tell from the condition of it. Mm. Uh, but obviously, it, it wasn't. It was running um, all fine. But, um, you know, as I was saying to you earlier, Dave, um, you know, I don't really believe in buying watches as, as a form of investment. I, I, I mm. really don't. And, I, and I've, par- I've passed up on some watches I could have easily kind of flipped over and over uh, yeah. a- again. But at the same time, I, I do believe in doing your absolute best to kind of protect the value of your watch by mm. buying in the best possible way, either through getting staff discounts or buying sometimes from overseas as well, because sometimes the market... Markets, believe it or not, are quite different in different countries for their kind of their tastes and uh, and so on, um, or doing exactly what you've done, uh, Dave, which is mm. you know, essentially getting a, a slightly pre-owned model uh, again, a good discount. I mean that that basically means that um, you know the hit that most people would take from buying a new watch, um, you're not going to take that hit, and and in time, yeah. you know when when Tudor or whoever puts their prices up. Um, you may even get a small appreciation uh, over time, over the very long term. You know, obviously, you don't think about that in the near term, but um, it, it kind of helps you um, kind of look after that that value, so that you've got obviously more cash available for more watches. <laughs> Incredibly presumptuous view, the last one, but yeah, um, that is it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like watches are. I mean, they're considered purchases with the amount of money they cost. And it's kind of strange how, in my mind, before buying this, like, it's like a car is a considered purchase. But in my mind, I'd never buy a car brand new out of the showroom. Yeah. Because you, as soon as you take it off the forecourt, you lose 30% or whatever. 
But then yeah. previously, my mind was like, oh no, I want to buy watches brand new. I don't want pre-owned. And it's a total... They're so parallel in that logic, but it just never occurred to me. Mm. Do you think it's... But, um, do you think it's because sorry, it's gonna it's gonna sound strange to start with that, but do you think it's because it was it was basically uh, attached to another human being, but you no joke here, but it's just that a car is essentially a tool that you use, and some people consider it as an extension of your body um, mm. that helps you moving, but like a watch is like well, it's, it's I mean like you sweating. On your on on these uh, on these jewelry, right? So, do you mm. think is there's there's a um, that? I mean, it's probably low level comment, but <laughs> there's probably part of that in it because I know when I got when I picked this one up, I thought ah, oh, like a bit annoying that my name won't be on the warranty card. But then mm. apparently Tudor warranty cards don't have a field for your name, so <laughs> it's, it's okay. No one has to know. So, so there probably is some of that to it, but yeah, it just never really occurred to me. Um, and I suppose I, I just don't I don't know why it's never really occurred to me hmm. but um, equally I don't think it's ever really come up the option for something that I really want pre-owned like in a good enough way like this was just such a great opportunity that kind of fell on my lap that it was it couldn't turn it down hmm. but other things like I mean trying to get a pre-owned Rolex as we know is just stupid <laughs> <laughs> for the most part but um yeah i don't i don't know but yeah what about you thomas what have you bought what have you bought pre-owned um so it's interesting so the actually the the series pre-owned uh watches that i own i actually didn't buy them um they were a gift uh however right all of them so Right, so this for for instance, like this the Speedy, uh, my Speedy was owned by my dad, but he actually bought it secondhand. But then, oh okay, but then the the my Sidweather, uh, they bought it for me, but they bought it so then I mean he never wore it, uh, but mm. he bought it secondhand as well. So um, okay. I'm I grew up with uh, yeah with more the habit of like. Um, not the habit, but like the the consideration of buying secondhand rather than brand new. Just uh, uh, that's where mm. I, I joined uh, what you said earlier is that uh, there's, except if it's for a limited edition that you can't, well, essentially you can't access because it's limited and therefore it will never hit the, the gray market. Mm. I, when I can, I will always uh, prefer buying secondhand just because of the, the 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 saving that you're making now that being said mm. i mean like the watch that i'm wearing today um if i bought if i bought it secondhand it would be like 30 quid cheaper right so there's no really point mm. on making that saving when you hit that level of uh, of purchase but for anything serious like if it costs you like anything from if it save you anything from like 500 to I don't know five five grown. You name it. I mean, obviously proportional proportional to the watch you're trying to buy, to buy. I would definitely uh, save it rather than mm. uh, spending the uh, the the extra for the retail one. 
I suppose coming from a family of antiques dealers, it's kind of in your blood as well to buy things that aren't brand new. <laughs> exactly. And and uh, and as you know, uh, Dave, I, I that's where also um, I think buying secondhand is it's it's something that I will uh, prioritize um, just because um, vintage watches are the thing that I prefer over mm. uh recent one so obviously by nature you're you're buying them second hand um so yeah i guess it's just uh um it, it's just natural to me to buy it second hand uh, rather than than brand new mm. i think unfortunately these days if i compare it with well let's put jewelry on the side i mean uh, sorry watches on the side for a second but it's like to me, I'm sorry if I insult uh, some of the the watch industry by saying that, but um, these days, unfortunately, marketing is such a big part of any product that you buy that it's like going to, I mean, going inside a Chanel store and you buy a pair of sneakers with like a big Chanel logo on top of it. And your pair of sneakers is made made the same way than a pair of Converse. However, you're paying like fifteen hundred for a pair, a pair of Chanel sneakers. And so, if you if you're looking at the the money you're spending, there's a big there's the I mean, with time over the 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 past fifty years, you realize that the amount of money you're spending into Everything called marketing, from the digital marketing to uh, the the decoration of the store where you're mm. buying it. Well, yeah, there's a big chunk of money that you're spending there rather than in the product itself. So mm. I can't. I mean, I don't know what are the margins uh, in, let's say, Rolex that that will that actually goes into the marketing and the and and the retail, but. Uh, in the retail, uh, sorry, in the in the store, but like, I think the experience for sure you're buying. Sorry, I'm just gonna pause it and rephrase it differently. When you buy an uh, a luxury item, I think you part of it is you buying the item, and part of it is you paying for the experience on the day when you are at the store. And to me. Even I mean, as good as your experience in the store could be, I can't I can't justify spending that money into having a nice carpet and like, uh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, please come in. Uh, do you want a glass of champagne? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's an expensive glass of champagne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what. What I will say, though, is there is one important consideration that you should always sort of, sort of think about, and that is the the warranty and, and yeah. mm. the warranty that's available if you're picking it up pre-owned versus a new model, assuming that you can still get that same watch, obviously. Um, mm. So I, I've, I've had it a few times where, um, actually, when I was thinking about getting a, a um, Cartier tank last year, okay. I, I could have picked up um, a model that was, say, a couple of years older, saved probably only about 10 or 15%, but then realized I would have a pretty short warranty given the mm. age of the watch if mm. I did that. Whereas, actually, I would rather um, 
get it for you know spend a little extra get the full warranty but also build up that his that history with mm. the with the retailer for for other reasons of course um that that's i think the warranty is also part of the consideration yeah i was going to say like my next question was literally like are there any times where you shouldn't buy pre-owned and i think that's a great one i mean with this because it's like less than a year old i've still got four years of warranty on it which is a nice hefty chunk and they offer me two years of their certified pre-owned warranty as well. Um, I think they run concurrently. I don't think they're consecutively, so which would be nice, but it's not. Um, I think the other thing people probably, I think, I think a lot of the reason, and I think, I think, I don't know if it's a clever thing that the brands have done in order to drive people away. Is this from the grey market and secondhand market? Is this whole idea of building a relationship with your AD? that you know like if you're not buying if you're buying pre-owned you're not building this relationship with your ad and like if you have an end goal in mind that you know you're not going to get offered that or you know you're going to get passed over for certain additions that come out and things like that i mean i know that you're a big fan of grand seiko as ad and you know they often bring out these like boutique editions and whatever editions and stuff and if you bought all of them pre-owned you'd probably get passed over for those ones that come out. Actually, Grand Seiko are pretty good in not playing favourites. Um, right. They, if you join the, um, um, the the sort of the collector's club that they have, the SG9 club, I believe, um, you will be notified of things coming out before they come out. So you right. can start to register your interest um, pretty early on. But I understand if, if you're not part of that kind of um, club, then it can be pretty frustrating because, you know, the first you'll hear of a new release might be on Instagram when they announce it. Mm. And if you haven't done anything about it within a few hours, they're all gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's been really um, frustrating for a lot of collectors is the very low numbers that they release, um, mm. which, you know, is typically around 100, 150 per region. Mm. Um, as they did, they, they did one very similar to the one I have actually uh, just last year. They released it as a European-wide model. They did 150 of them. And apparently only three came to the UK. And they were mm. gone within the first hour. Wow. Um, which was very annoying. That that that's, that happens quite frequently. And I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, David. It's, they, they clearly do this because if you miss out on that limited edition, good luck finding it. Yeah. You're not going to be able to find it. You're going to have to pay a premium uh, to get it. When in reality, I think they've already released four limited editions this year alone. Jesus, already. And we're uh, only, what, six weeks into the year? Exactly. And I'm sure there'll be two more in the next couple of weeks. So mm. it's um, it's getting a bit ridiculous with Grand Seiko. You've got to kind of step back and you, you, you always have to kind of know what you like, if, mm. if you know what I mean, um, and, and not get too sucked into it. Um, because yeah, it, it's it, it can be quite difficult, kind of following um, with those. But I mean, luckily that yeah, they don't play favourites like your your kind of regular ads when yeah. it comes to like other hype models and so on. Okay, but um, yeah. So, is there any other reasons do you reckon that where you shouldn't buy pre-owned and you should just go direct to the ad? I think. Oh my god. I mean, I'd, I'd say who the retailer is or. Who exactly. the seller is? Obviously, obviously mm-hmm. um, um, you you do have to be careful. I mean, you'll hear this being said all the time. You know, buy buy the seller and all that. 
that's true. I, I've never really been stung in any way buying mm. secondhand, and I, and I, you know, quite happy to buy through you know eBay and Credit Twenty Four and all these kind of places. Um, and I've even bought from you know forums and Facebook groups and and so on before, but. You do have to have a bit of trust built up there. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, for example, I don't like dealing with Reddit at all. They're, no, they're, I've seen I've, some stuff on Reddit that makes me cringe and go, someone's yeah. going to get stung with that big time. Exactly. I, I've seen some very dodgy looking watches going up for sale on there, um, and I wouldn't deal with that at all. So, mm. yeah, you got to you got to be careful sometimes. A friend of mine sent me a Reddit link the other day because he's like just dipping his toe into the watch world now and like starting to get into it. Um, and he was like, oh, like this guy on Reddit selling all these watches and look how cheap they are. And I was like, yeah, suspiciously cheap. Like mm. selling like, um, what's the old Seamaster that had like the gold inlaid into the case? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like from the 80s and it's like, it's, it's like a two-tone case, but it's... Yeah, it's quite an old one. Yeah. yeah, it's quite an old one. And he was selling it for like $500. And I was just like, something is not right there. Like, it's either an absolute Franken watch or it's a fake or it doesn't work and is in need of a hefty service. But yeah, and but people thought, but people who think, but that's the thing is that people think they're getting a good deal and they fall over themselves to buy it and then get absolutely pinged with it. But. Mm. <laughs> I, I I totally uh, um, uh, agree with you that um, as far as I'm like uh, a big fan of buying secondhand is like you, you can't there's there's so much risk risk that come that comes with it so either you you have your regular uh, secondhand uh, source that you trust or mm. there's so much research that you need to uh, to do on on it and like especially these days where uh, it's more and more easy to buy online, uh, but it's also uh, more and more common to to see uh, mm. good fake ones. Oh, and I'm not even talking some about some of the fakes like, are crazy. Yeah, some of the fakes are crazy good. It's ridiculous. But um, so it's, it's like you said though. It's like by joining things like the SG Nine Club and that the other the other things. Where it's if you're into the watch community and if you involve yourself. We've all got people that we know sell secondhand that we trust and would buy something off of without even questioning what it is that they have, like kibble watches, um, watch concierge services. Either any of those people, you'd go, it's no problem. But to people who aren't getting themselves involved in the watch community, so actually going to community meetups like Watch Collectors Club, Red Bar, Time for a Pint, all these things, then you're probably going to maybe in the early days of people's collecting adventures get stung buying something pre-owned or you're more likely to not definitely but you're more likely to i'd say yeah i think for anybody new they should really think about kind of the value of the watch that they're trying to pick up and you know really consider you know are are you prepared to for this watch to turn out to be a fake or are you prepared mm. for this watch not even to turn up uh, you know, that, well, that's, that's the other thing as well, isn't that, it? Yeah. That, exactly. So, I, I I would say for any new watch collector, really start start with kind of lower value added, lower value watches. Um, go through the process, become comfortable with it, figure out where the risks are, um, and then kind of slowly work your way up. Um, I mean, I mean, frankly, anybody who's thinking about selling anything above, I don't know, five six thousand pounds, 
really should be using a system that protects the buyer quite significantly. Yes. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't deal with anybody trying to sell, you know, separately or, in, you know, without the backup of a, a escrow power. service or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or a third party at least getting involved. Yeah. Because mm. you mentioned at the beginning, like, you've bought from overseas. And I think that's saying yeah, that actually, some, depending on where the location is coming from, terrifies me a little bit going god like what if i'm gonna get ripped off here because some of the like i said some of the fakes are so good and i think that's like probably a bridge too far for my comfort zone to buy something pre-owned from overseas just yeah yeah <laughs> it makes me twitch <laughs> i think i think it depends where you're buying from um i would say japan is a fantastic place to buy from mm. um people are very honest to their Descriptions are super accurate, always very well photographed. The tiniest thing wrong or scratch, they'll they'll highlight it mm. um, there, and they're all very you know super professional about how things are are run. So I've never had any uh, worries about buying from Japan. Uh, would I buy from India? I think that's quite a famous place for <laughs> the Franken watches. No, clearly lots clearly. of Oris references that you've never yeah. seen before yeah. on eBay. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing though is I. I uh, when I say overseas, I don't always mean uh, ordering something and getting it shipped here. Right. Um, quite frequently, and this goes back to the point about kind of uh, keeping the costs down, it's when you travel. Mm. Um, so actually, I, I would say in Europe, or certainly in, in, in the UK and London, we, we've gone to a trend where ADs don't like to give you much of a discount, especially on a new mm. model nowadays. Yeah. Um, if it's something that's sat there for a couple of years, then they'll, they, they will probably discount it. But mm. on a lot of stuff, um, you won't get much of a discount. No. But if you travel overseas, you'll find that actually a lot of other, in other countries, they, they will happily give you a discount. So mm. um, I was saying this to you earlier, Dave, but um, I was in Dubai just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And went into the main. Um, oh yeah, I, remember. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, I went into the main Omega store, uh, which I th- I believe is run by the Sadiki family, who put on you know Dubai Watch Week mm-hmm. and so on. So that they have a um, a monopoly on Omega, um, selling Omega, for example. And they just happened to be running a a nice little um, promotion where you could have twenty percent off any watch in the store. And if you bought two watches, they'll give you 25% off those watches in the store. And that included, for example, some of the Speedmaster 57s that had only just come out a few months ago. Mm-hmm. They had all three colors. They had quite a few, you know, reasonably new things uh, that were available. Um, I actually spotted the Central Second Tourbillon that uh, came mm-hmm. out in the gold case. Uh, just oh. last year, and they had it there. And I said, "Oh, can I have a look at this, please?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." Just pulled it out, handed it over to me. I'm like, "Ooh, okay, that's a nice quarter of a million pounds you've just given me there." <laughs> and I said, and I asked him, you know, if I buy the cheapest ladies' watch I could find, can I then get twenty five percent off this one? And the guy turned around and said, "Mate, if you buy this one, I'll happily give you quite a bit more of a discount on this." And so uh, this is, by the way, a tax-free country where I, I would claim the tax back anyway as, as I left. So there are opportunities to get good deals around the world. Mm. In, in just some countries, certain brands don't do very well. Mm. Um, when I've traveled to Japan, for example, I always found that Panerai, secondhand Panerai's, 
really did badly. I mean, they do badly anyway, right? But um, <laughs> they, they, you could have easily... Do you think that's a sizing thing? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I, 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 couldn't, I just think it's, some brands are more popular in some countries than mm. others. I, I, um, when I was in Japan, I bought my um, uh, Laureato. Um, out there. This was back in 2019. Mm. And it was a pre-owned model, but it was only two months old. And Mm. I picked it up for about 40% off the retail price in London. And, okay, that was before it went a bit crazy. I was about to say, I know you said watches aren't investments, but goodbye. (laughs) That that one worked out quite well, yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I could have saved a bit you know, I wouldn't have saved as much money buying it here, but mm. over in Japan, it's just the market doesn't like them. And and um, yeah. you could see that, um, you know, it, it was referred to as pre-owned, but actually it was more of a grey market situation. So right. I'm sure you, you we all know that, um, you know, the famous grey market dealers in the US, especially, you know, the likes of German Shop and so on, mm-hmm. they do this whole thing where they hold on to the warranty card. They don't give you that. Yeah, it's crazy. Well... well in the rest of the world, they don't do that. No. They do. They do give you the warranty card. It's normal, uh, they, but it's dated. It's dated a, a month or two earlier. Mm. Um, so effectively, I was picking up a pretty much brand new watch, not my name on the warranty card, dated slightly earlier, but otherwise, you know, quite a major saving. So, yeah, I, I think plenty of chance to travel and, and find good deals around the world. I hate you because right now all I want is just to uh, buy myself a ticket to uh, Japan just to <laughs> try to find a similar deal that you did. <laughs> it, it's it's a wonderful place to go watch shopping, really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had a good time watch shopping, didn't you, Thomas, down there? You bought your yeah, yeah. Uh, Chigaro exactly. down there. Yes, exactly, which was, uh, yeah, which was uh, a relatively uh, cheap buy, uh, buy but uh, I remember seeing those, those stores, I'm sure, as uh, you, know, you know them, where you have like three rooms covered from the floor to the ceiling uh, of a secondhand watch, and they are really serious uh, things. Um, uh, from yeah, four, four, uh, oh, sorry, five up to uh, six figures, and just like uh, yeah, one next to the other, and so much special um, edition or um, uh, sorry, not necessarily edition, sorry. Um, 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 uh, vintage, uh, uh, rare uh, uh, watches, and uh, and always, I mean, great condition and like, uh, well, uh, as you said, like, I mean, perfect, uh, perfect experience. Mm. Especially if you're into your vintage Rolex, the the, the choices oh, out yeah. there are amazing, like really? really amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane um, that the kind of collections that are available. Um, all appropriately priced and everything, but but it's 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 the selection. It's mm. it's being able to see that much available in one place. It, it's pretty uh, astounding. I don't. Okay, I, that's pretty cool. I don't think I've seen so many uh, uh, GMT Master Two beetroot, like <laughs> one next to the, another in the world. <laughs> you didn't find any space dwellers down there, did you? I'm, I'm sorry. You know the Space Dweller, the 1016 that was made just for Japan? The, I can't remember that one. So there was a 1016 Explorer that was made just for Japan around okay. the 60s when they were doing the moon missions because yeah. the space race was the pinnacle of exploration at that time. They rebranded 
some explorers for Japan with Space Dweller on the dial. Mm. And if you can find one, fucking hell, they're worth a lot of money. <laughs> they're really cool, but they're like 200,000 plus pounds. Like, they're crazy money. But, um, yeah, I would, yeah. If I was going to go vintage Rolex and I had unlimited funds, and we're talking pre-owned, that's what I'd be going for. Are you saying that someone is thinking of like repenting his dial? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's um, it's, it is a bit of a minefield, I suppose, and it's just. Have you had any horror stories as at buying pre-owned? The not a horror story, but actually, the very first time I bought a, a pre-owned watch, and and. This um, this happened because my one one of the first sort of luxury watches I I, I bought for myself uh, after we got after we got married when we were out in New York I bought uh, myself a uh, tag uh, Mercedes SLR uh, sort of mecha quartz kind of watch. Um, Your tastes very, have changed since then. Though. <laughs> Sounds uh, things. <laughs> yes, I've still matured in my tastes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean it, that one particularly hurts because um, un- unfortunately we were we were burgled a few months uh, oh, no. later, and I, and I lost the watch. And um, I I had bought it at a, at a good discount, and uh, you know that that was that helped at the time. But I, I really wanted to replace it because I kind of felt like it was like my post-wedding watch. I, mm. We didn't think of wedding watches back then, but it, it was one that I bought to mark the occasion. So um, I looked everywhere to try and replace it, and um, it had been discontinued a couple of years earlier. Um, but I managed to find one on eBay from the US, so I put a bit in, won the auction, um, still paid you know a couple of thousand pounds for it. It wasn't cheap. Um, paid the taxes on top when it arrived. That That was a painful experience um, um, and then found that the lugs were pretty badly scratched up uh, I thought you were going to say and found out it was my watch yeah that's what no. I <laughs> I've been trafficked to the US I, I honestly I wouldn't have minded at that point but no it was it, it was quite badly scratched up the lugs and what was quite annoying is at the time I didn't know anything about oh getting a watch repolished or anything along those lines so mm. I, I wore it for a few years um until uh, I sort of moved on and bought another watch and then another watch and so on. Uh, but I wore it for a few years. But kind of like every time I looked down and saw those marks, I thought to myself, yeah, that's not my watch. You know, you instantly yeah, go, yeah. no, it's not the same thing. And eventually I moved it on. Um, had I been a bit more educated about it at the time, I probably would have got it polished out and it would have been fine. Mm. And I'd have lived lived with it for ages. Uh, but it was also a 46 mil watch. I mean, it, it wouldn't fit that's me That's big. But it was yeah. a hefty watch. Um, uh, very cool movement, but but yeah, but a big watch. It's it's odd knowing knowing the watches you have because obviously we've, we've, <laughs> I've seen lots of your watches and you have some fantastic stuff. That's it's kind of jarring to imagine you wearing that watch. <laughs> yeah, well, pre-pandemic, I was significantly bigger. I was a good kind of thirty kilos heavier or so. So my wrist size was close to eight inches at the time. It's now gone down to kind of six and three quarters. So yeah, I had to offload quite a few big watches, mm-hmm. um, including a, I had a um, forty-seven mil uh, Navitimer World Timer. Wow! Um, which uh, you know, basically really a desk clock that size. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, you were, I think, I can't remember who was talking about dinner plates a while ago. I mean, that is a dinner plate. That, oh, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a that's serving a plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, wore, it wore well for a long time, but it just, it was just too big. To, to the point where um, I realised that I couldn't tighten the brace, uh, the, the uh, leather strap any further. Mm, um, right. Because of the taper. Um, it just wasn't designed oh, okay. for, for anybody at my, obviously I could have, Found another twenty-four mil lug width strap and, and, and got it sorted. But I just I this know. is the comedy size watch, twenty-four mil lugs and forty-seven mil. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like the fact that you're like pre-pandemic. I was everyone like goes, oh, over the pandemic, I put on all this weight. As I was like, yeah, I lost thirty kilos. Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about big, big watch, I mean, like we we just uh, are shifting a bit uh, from topic, but. Uh, what's your uh, um, opinion about the uh, the um, the deep sea challenge? I haven't seen it in person. Um, it looks ridiculous in the photos. It just <laughs> looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what it looks like in, in the metal how it wears because I saw recently the the new Omega Ultra Deeps, mm. and on paper I thought they would be ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I tried it on. And it was surprisingly wearable, um, very wearable, in fact. It is. It's very uh, thick, though. Yeah. It's thick, but the lug to lug isn't too bad, and and the way that the the rubber strap kind of totally goes mm. down um, makes it yeah still quite wearable. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing one of those at some point. <laughs> so ridiculous! I, I remember seeing someone um, wearing this one a few weeks after it came it came out. Um, at the at an airport, and uh, I, I, um, I, I mean, I ended up talking to him, and I was just uh, worried that he would look at me like, "Who's that weirdo who's like talking to me because of my watch? Who actually recognized the watch, right?" So I was like, "Oh, uh, sir, is this the 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 new one? We, I mean, like really nice." But in reality, I don't know what's the best image. Is it to? have a burger attached to your hand or somehow it looked like um, um, an iron glove, basically. It's like (laughs) ready to punch someone (laughs) with it. (laughs) Um, uh, But I'm sorry, back to the, uh, I mean, like the main topic. Uh, um, Dave, you were asking about like bad experiences about buying second hand. So that story is not mine, but my dad, uh, my dad's one. Um, I believe like 20 years ago, he was interested in, uh, sorry for the mistake I'm going to make, either Sidwiller or Submariner in gold. I don't know if if both existed, one of them anyway. And um, uh, he wanted to buy it from from a colleague of him. And so they, yeah, negotiated stuff. And uh, my dad was like, can I I wear it for a couple of days and uh, see what I feel about it and come back to you and... uh, and I might stop by Rolex and see uh, what they think about the watch. Yeah, sure, no problem. He, um, a few days after, he stopped by Rolex, um, have it uh, checked there. And the uh, the gentleman w- working there come back to him and say, I'm sorry, sir, but this watch has been stolen, so we're not giving, to you. We're not giving it back to you. Oof. That's rough. Now, the good thing is it was... Uh, it was a colleague and friend, so they, I mean, like, my, my, I mean, like, obviously my dad came back to him and said, this is a story, um, and I, I don't know, actually, 
the rest, the second part of the story. What happened to these, uh, um, to this gentleman? Did he find out what was the story behind the watch uh, before he bought it himself? Because obviously he didn't, he didn't steal it himself, but he bought it from someone mm. who might have stole it. Or... That's a rat's nest. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Rolex that you were a second ago and pre-owned, Azad, what's your thoughts on Rolex's certified pre-owned? Mm. And are you disappointed in how it got rolled out? I mean, the the ADs were starting to do it regardless of Rolex's involvement. Mm. Um, you know, the, the store in, in certainly in London that kicked it off was Booker, and they'd already been doing it for a while. Um, Selfridges had it as well. I mean, it was, it was literally... You go into Selfridges, they've got a little special corner area for Rolex. It's mm. like its own little mini store within mm. the store. And then as soon as you step outside, you look forward. In front of you is the pre-owned section, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and, and you know exactly what was going on. They were flipping from one corner of the store to the next corner of the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think Rolex kind of stepped in and, and said, look, there's probably a conflict of interest here. You're going to have to show a bit more of a... a a trail of exactly how these purchases are done and where they're going to, and and we've all heard the the stories of of the ads with with uh, there was a case in the US where the girl was was clearly kind of using fake names and flipping them to her friends and, mm. and, and so on. That had to be kind of stamped out. And also, I think um, Rolex saw a bit of an opportunity in the market where they can make a bit more money. And yeah. and maintain that relationship as well with with the owners, mm. and and uh, still kind of charge a premium for those for those products. So, I, I don't really see it too much as an issue. I, I wonder if now, when you know someone decides to want to they um, further the the relationship with the AD, will selling a Rolex to them now also be part of that furthering relationship mm. not just buying so in other words if i now go to booker and say look um i'm really really keen on a i don't know a no date sub which you're saying you're not taking any names for how about if i sell you my four-year-old i don't know explorer 2 for example mm. will you then put me on the list i wonder if that's now going to be part of the relationship yeah um and well, that would be terrible and have to sell you my watch to get put on a list to wait for two years and maybe get the call that's just like taking it to another level yeah yeah I mean you hear all sorts of stories about people being struck off lists because they've they've been found out to have sold their watch or trying to sell mm. their watch I mean there is an element of kind of monopolizing the secondary market which which obviously nobody likes um, to mm. see but yeah, at the same time, you know, we've just talked about all the fakes in the secondary market. And actually, one area that I would be quite worried about buying would be a Rolex, frankly. Mm, uh, mm. Second, you know, especially something quite old. I, I, if I don't know anything about them, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, especially when you get into that world of vintage Rolex, it does get very murky and yeah. difficult because yeah, it's just like faded bezels and stuff that have been like they're just aftermarket aluminium bezels they've been buffed out and things like that. it's just crazy and fake dials and all sorts to make it more desirable this bit crazy but yeah. my my thoughts the, when when rolex announced they were doing the certified pre-owned my thought was okay maybe they were doing it to kind of get a stranglehold on the gray market get it under control by buying up a load of stock and then selling it for a very low margin on their end 
and you know undercutting the grey market to drag after the grey market prices down and then kind of you know take that away because everyone talked about how Rolex were getting annoyed that people were making money off of their stock and if they did that and brought the prices down people would be less likely to flip them but instead it's gone the other way and now they actually charge more than the grey market to have a Rolex certified one which equally makes sense you know that they're making more money but yeah, I mean, if anything, it, they could be propping up the price at mm. a certain point. They they might even take a hit on that margin to make sure that they are always a bit of a, a buyer of last resort in mm. the market in that sense. So, um, yeah, I, I can understand why they're doing it because they're essentially validating the value that they are selling to the first purchaser uh, mm. in, in that sense. So they, and they, they want to have the add-on sales you know your wife's watch or you know all the other things that go with it um, yeah yeah so yeah it, it's it's yeah i mean it's there to support the brand really isn't it yeah i suppose mm. i wishful thinking on my part i suppose <laughs> <laughs> but i've got uh, one more sort of little thing i just want to mention yeah, yeah. And this was um something that we learned from our uh, horological lord and savior tim mosso <laughs> um, I was watching one of his videos a while back, and he was talking about um, one of his favorite watches, which is the Great Side of the Moon uh, mm, Speedmaster. Right. And he was saying how you know ceramic doesn't scratch. Um, so if you're looking at ceramic watches, don't buy them brand new. Buy them, hmm. uh, you know, secondhand. Point, yeah. It doesn't, you know, if if there's a crack in them, that that's quite noticeable. Uh, mm. But they won't have any scratches on them. And then all you have to do is worry about the condition of the strap and uh yeah i can that's a good point i never thought about that that's a really good point yeah i mean i can say from my own personal experience i own both the dark side of the moon and the gray side of the moon both of them bought um pre-owned both of them at massive discounts to retail and yeah arrived in mint condition literally Mm. um and even to this day i've worn them quite a lot no scratches no marks on them and I'm sure when I'll eventually move them on, um, you know, they will still look fantastic. Um, so if yeah. you're thinking about ceramic watches, don't buy them new. There's just no point. And also, they come on such crazy prices. Like, I remember when that Dark Side of the Moon first came out, and people were nuts for it when it first came out. Mm. And I think it was like five two when it first came out or something like that. It was like five two fifty, maybe a bit. It was a pre, uh, and that was when speedies were like what three grand. So it was like a significant premium over, and was it? It's got to be close to ten now for a dark side of the moon. Yeah, because the grey is over eleven or twelve, I think. Um, Crazy. But I mean, yeah, we we know that ceramics very hard to work with. There's a high failure rate on it, Um, especially the way they finish those Speedmasters. It's Mm. pretty stunning. Um, They 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 have a nice matte finish to them, which which looks really cool. but I mean, you've seen that with the like the Zenith Extreme Defies, the mm. way they charge, they'll happily charge an extra five to ten thousand pounds, depending on which one it is. Yeah. Moving from steel to ceramic to even the carbon cases, which I mean, that one doesn't but make any sense. The carbon case is like twenty one thousand. Yeah, silly money. And carbon's not expensive to make. No, those cases are not difficult to make or expensive to make. I mean, if if Zelos can knock them out for a if, you know, a grand or so, then yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Ceramic is one thing, but but carbon cases I've not understood. I mean, mm. we, you were talking about the Bamford watch last week, weren't you? Yeah, last time I saw you, actually, you was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a 
carbon case. Yeah, you know, it's twenty six hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, did you get one of those in the end? It's on order. Oh, it's okay. On order. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, Mr. George, he promised it'll be in the next week or so. So uh, I'll let you know. Oh, okay, cool. I look forward to seeing because you take some great photos on Instagram. So I look yeah. forward to seeing it. Thank you. Thank you. Both. Are you going to do an unboxing video for it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, we'll awesome. Do that. I look forward to seeing it. Okay, well, that's kind of it for our pre owned special. Um, as a thanks for joining us, it's been great. I've been talking to you every time I see you at Red Bar. We say, oh yeah, we should do something. This we should talk. And then I'm sorry it's taken this long to get you on, but it's been great. That's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, Thomas, you're always here. We can't get rid of you. (laughs) (laughs) Please be safe on your motorcycle. Yep. And turn up next week. (laughs) But um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. Oh, hang on. No, wait. As a, please plug your Instagram first because you oh, have well, some you, great stuff on yeah. there <laughs> thank you so if you head over to Instagram I'm on uh, az.time excellent and now it is goodbye thanks for listening to everyone bye 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 bye